So I ended the sermon last week by talking about the fundamental difference of living a life of faith versus a life of of fear. And I believe that this is very important because at least when I read my Bible, this is something that I see talked about over and over and over again. So let me expand on that a little more this morning as we begin. With a life of fear, you're always wondering what bad thing is about to happen. With a life of faith, you're looking for God's presence in everyday life. With a life of fear, you hold back from being close to other people because they might disappoint you, hurt you, or let you down. With a life of faith, you, uh, uh, you, 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 you form relationships, authentic relationships, where you're honest and vulnerable with other people. Uh, with a life of fear, you're always looking for what's wrong with everybody else and how they fall short. With a life of faith, you try to see the good in everybody and hope that others will also see the good in you. Because guess what? All of us have our flaws. With a life of fear, you are hesitant to love the way that Christ calls us to love. But with a life of faith, you intentionally choose to love each and every day. It's a choice that you make. We are being called, I believe, to live a life of faith and a life that is This means a life that is hopeful and optimistic and positive and encouraging. And these are two different ways of living. And we get to choose which one we're going to follow, live out. Now, as we continue this series, Simply Jesus, I want you to remember that there's lots of material in Matthew's gospel that we're not able to, to touch because there's so much and we only have so much time. So I want you to read this gospel on your own. But for example... Jesus talks about money. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Look at how you spend your time and your money, and that will tell you what's most important in your life. Uh, Our relationship with money is one of the most complicated relationships that we have, and Jesus knew this. Jesus asks, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but fail to recognize the log in your own eye? Again, why do you focus on what's wrong with everybody else but don't spend any time admitting and owning your own flaws? Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction and there are many who take it for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life and there are few who find it. In other words, Following Jesus is not an easy path, especially in our culture right now, and choosing to live selflessly in a selfish world is very, very hard, but it's worth it. There was an article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal this week that uh, a few people sent to me, and it really, it really caught my eye. I try to read multiple papers. I read the Wall Street Journal. I read the New York Times. I read the Tennessean. Um, I read all kinds of papers, so don't pigeonhole me here. But, um, but this article, I want you to know that this article is talking about our listening deficit in American culture, and this is how it started. I'm just going to read it uh, to you. Americans aren't merely arguing about politics. It's increasingly clear that they can't even agree on what they're arguing about. You want to debate political violence? People on the left think instantly of the Capitol riots of January the 6th. People on the right counter with the 2020 George Floyd summer of unrest. Refusal to accept election results? 
On the left, that's clearly a reference to former President Trump's false claims that the 2020 election was stolen from him. On the right, it might be a reference to Democrats' attempts to oust Mr. Trump from office after 2016, or Stacey Abrams' refusal to concede her loss in Georgia in the 2018 gubernatorial election. Dangerous social trends. On the left, that's a reference to rising racism and anti-Semitism and anti-vaccination trolling. On the right, it's about woke and cancel cultures run rampant and vaccine mandates. In short, people are talking past one another. It isn't happening only in Washington or in political circles, but increasingly within communities and even within families. Worse yet, people with differing views today don't merely disagree. Often they can't even comprehend how those on the other side could possibly think the way that they do. Too often, Americans aren't listening to people on the other side closely enough to understand why they think what they think. Instead, the default position fueled by the shouting on social media has become to move immediately to anger and then yell, you're just crazy. The age in which we are living continues to be marked by deep polarization, deep division, and anger, fueled by the media, and it really doesn't seem to be getting better, does it? I asked a number of people this week, both individuals and groups of people, to tell me what concerns them the most about our society, our culture right now. And so polarization, division, and incivility were mentioned often, um, I did a doctorate on that subject. I believe it's a problem. I've always believed it's a problem. But some other things were also mentioned. Our society has become very selfish. As Rabbi Sachs said, it's becoming a culture of me and I rather than a culture of us and we. People seem to be less concerned about the well-being of others and the common good and more concerned with their own needs and their own desires. We cannot agree on truth, people said. Everybody tries to turn their opinions into facts, but Daniel Mooneyhan said, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. COVID has been the perfect example of this playing out. We now experience fewer and fewer authentic friendships. Yes, we have lots of surface level connections, but we have fewer and fewer friends, and we are very hesitant to be vulnerable with each other, to admit any kind of weakness or, or shortcoming, to talk about uh, when we are struggling or when we're feeling overwhelmed. We don't do that. Somebody said related to this is a growing lack of trust. We don't know who to trust and who we can't trust. So many of us don't trust anybody. We play our cards close. We don't ever open up. There's too much judgment in our culture, somebody said. Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Did you get a vaccine and a booster? Did you not? Are you a conservative or a liberal? Are you racist or are you woke? And then somebody else responded to the question by just saying godlessness. We don't know God and we don't know Jesus. We don't pay attention to the way that he's calling us to live our lives. So I've been hearing all this feedback this week and I intentionally asked for it, by the way. And I've been thinking about the words of Jesus from our text this morning, where he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In other words, Jesus is saying that there is a lot to be done in this world, but not enough people that are willing to go and do the work. We have a lot of problems and a lot of challenges, but many people remain indifferent and apathetic, especially when it comes to their faith. 
But Christ is sending us out into the harvest to do important work. And I gave you five questions to ask yourself last week when you're going through hard times. I said, ask yourself, are you prayed up? Are you friended up? Are you run up? Are you read up? And are you fired up? (laughs) Those are all important questions. Now we're launching a new visioning process at Woodmont this month. There's an insert in your bulletin. And we're looking to the future to ask what God is calling our church to be and do in the days ahead. And we want as many of you as possible to participate in this process. There's 12 different uh, uh, task forces that you'll see on that insert. And we want you to circle your top three and then either drop it in the offering plate or email the office and let us know which ones you might have an interest in. But this morning, uh, as we think about looking ahead to this visioning process, I want to share with you what I think it means to embrace the future given all the different challenges that we face in our culture and in Christianity, uh, and, and what does it mean to go out into the harvest as Christians committed to spreading Christ's love and mercy and grace to a hurting world? And so I'm going to leave you with three thoughts this morning. There's many more I could say, but as we think about embracing the future, what does that mean? What does that look like? My first thought is this. Looking to the future, we can't ask people to go do things that we are not willing to do ourselves. We can't ask people to come to church if we never come to church. We we can't ask people to read and study their Bible if we never read and study our Bible. We can't ask people to speak and minister from their brokenness if we never speak from our brokenness. We can't ask people to pray on a regular basis if we don't pray on a regular basis. We can't ask people to go and serve in the community if we never go and serve in the community. Anything that we encourage other people to do inside or outside of the church, we must be willing to do ourselves. Or as St. Francis famously said, go and preach the gospel and use words only if it's necessary. And then he gave us a powerful prayer that I think we should pray. If you're looking for a prayer in your prayer life, this is about as good as it gets. The Lord's Prayer, this prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving, that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Second thought this morning. As we look to embrace the future, we cannot keep living in the past. Everybody has a past. Everybody has things that they wish they could take back or that they wish they could do over. I do, you do. And guess what? We believe in a God who forgives and he gives us a second chance and a third chance and as many chances as we need. We believe in a God who says, you want to start over? You got it. When you're a Christian, you know, new beginnings are all around you. As Paul said, if anybody's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. See, I am making everything new. God calls us to embrace the future, which means we can't keep living in the past. The past can't be changed. It's over. It's done. The present and the future is all that we have. 
We can and should learn from our past. There's lots of valuable lessons. We can learn from our mistakes and we can try to do better, but we can't keep living there. We can't remain stuck there. We have to press on, as Paul writes to the Philippians, live in the present, hope for the future. And again, I'll give you that Ted Lasso quote that I gave you last year. What's the happiest creature on the face of the earth? The goldfish, because it has a 10-second memory. Remember what Ted Lasso said? It's much healthier to look to the future and not keep holding on to things from the past, not keep going down that same old road again. Lastly, to embrace the future, we have to go, I think, and be the change we want to see in the church and in the world. Carl Barth said, approach every day with a Bible in one hand and newspaper in the other. See what the Bible has to say about the many issues that we face as a culture. And he was right. Are you tired of division and polarization? Then go find somebody who sees the world differently from you. Maybe they vote differently from you. Form a friendship and have a meaningful conversation. Are you tired of the anger and hostility in our culture, then do everything you can to not get angry and be kind to other people. Sometimes it's hard. Are you tired of hiding out because of COVID? Get out and live your life. I mean, put a mask on if that makes you more comfortable, but, 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 but we can't hide out forever. Are you tired of kids being left behind in our education system? Then go and be a tutor for a child who's struggling over at Fall Hamilton or at one of the other schools. Adrian Battle is going to be here two weeks from Wednesday night to talk to us about how we as a church can help enhance and help kids that don't have role models, don't have a parent who's reading to them or tutoring them. Maybe they don't have the ability to do that. Are you tired of your family arguing over Politics, have you truly listened to why certain people feel the way that they feel? Or do you write them off and like the article said, just say, you know, they're crazy. I'm not, but they are. Are you tired of people being lonely, feeling like nobody cares? And go reach out to somebody who lives alone and ask them how they're doing. Reach out to somebody who maybe recently went through a divorce and ask them how they're doing. Like I said last week, tell them, you know, you're my friend and I love you. I care about you. That'll go a long way right now. All I'm saying this morning, as we kind of launch this visioning initiative at Woodmont, is that when Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, he was dead serious. And so as we look ahead to the future, it's time that we get serious about what Christ is calling us to do. Don't just identify what's wrong with the world or the church or whatever. That's easy. Embrace the future. Go out and help make it better. And if you're grounded in Christ as you do that, then you will be a light for other people who find themselves walking in deep, deep darkness. Amen.